Hey, and welcome to the EOS Secretariat podcast. This is episode two, where we're going to be talking about fair data around the world. We're going to be talking with Bert Meerman from GoFair, and he's going to be telling us about the state of fair data. What is fair? It is findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable data. And we're specifically talking in the context of research. Um, And we will also be talking about how uh, these international trends relate to the European Open Science Cloud, EOSC. We're happy to have you with us and we'll get right into our talk with Bert. Well, Bert, it's lovely to have you with us. Would you be able to start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Bert Meermann, and uh, I'm actually a, a retired IT business manager. Uh, what I did, I, I worked for about 30 years for a number of American software makers. Um, and uh, I actually ran into GoFair by, by accident. And uh, what happened is that I could not believe that so much money was actually spent in scientific research. Uh, while at the same time, uh, we saw that more than 80% of that research data was actually never reused. Uh, more than 80% of the research data actually never reused. Wow. Um, so I saw that as a big financial uh, loss. Uh, and we are, we are talking uh, billions here, uh, billions of loss, not millions, but billions. So. When I met Barend Mons and his team from GoFair several years ago, uh, I actually told them, I said, hey guys, you know, how, how difficult can this be? Already in 1982, uh, my company was uh, building data exchange applications uh, for financial, uh, uh, financial institutions, you know, like, like banks, etc. So, um, uh, you know how difficult can it be actually to repeat this for the for the scientific world? Uh, possibly I can I can help you, uh, and that is how I entered into this scientific world. Uh, maybe a bit naive, uh, but when I found out about the EOSC, I immediately wanted to participate because I saw an enormous potential that such a European project could actually have. And, um, you know, one of the things that we did when I joined GoFair was actually to set up the GoFair Foundation as we needed a, um, we needed a legal entity um, with PIC code and all these different things that you need as a legal entity if you want to participate in different projects. Um, and that resulted also in the fact that we as the foundation uh, are participating at this moment at a number of these EOSC uh, project and sub projects. And so we are involved in setting up the secretariat. We are involved in the separate steering committee. We are involved in a committee that qualifies these uh, co-creation funds. And there are quite a number of things that we, that we do there. Also, we are, we're heavily involved in uh, EOSC Nordic uh, that is a very hands-on project uh, that tries to implement FAIR across different repositories in the Nordic countries and in the Baltic countries. Uh, that's a very practical project where uh, we, we try to drive the fairness of data and metadata within all these repositories. So the, 
that may give you a feeling uh, in terms of how I let's uh, how I started this this journey. Thanks, Bert. And so, in our first episode of this podcast, we talked with Sarah Jones, and she talked about fair data and, and making uh, open science fair. Could you explain to us uh, what you think, or in your opinion, the importance of fair data? And I think you've already explained it a little bit, but maybe um, going more into detail, what is fair data and why is it so important uh, for us today? Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I think it's important to really articulate this because there is also some misunderstanding about fair data. Um, let me start by saying that fair data is absolutely crucial. Um, I think we all know that it stands for findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable. Uh, but let, let's, let's make no mistake. With, with FAIR, we, we do not mean, for instance, a, a PDF, which is findable, readable, and can be reused by printing it. That is not at all what, what we mean. When we talk about FAIR, we mean that a machine should be able to find the data. The machine should be able to access the data uh, under predefined conditions, of course. Uh, the machine should be able to interoperate and reuse the data uh, on the basis of enough metadata. Uh, sometimes we also take the phrase, we use the phrase, the machine understands what the data mean. Uh, so that is a very important element. If you, if you think about it, you see that the machine has to be able to find a relevant data sets on, on the basis of a global unique identifier. And that same machine has to be able to access the data also on the basis of a license protocol or an agreement under which conditions the data can be, can be, uh, can be, can be seen. And the machine also has to understand the content of the data, um, often based on a model, on a semantic model, uh, or on a metadata schema, and so that the machine understands certain things, that it, it thinks, aha, okay, so this data, this is COVID patient data, uh, and there's medication involved uh, based upon a clearly defined uh, ontology or a vocabulary. Uh, so this, for instance, this is the code, this is the URI for the remdesivir medicine that this patient has received. And I also see that, uh, I see in, in the metadata that the, uh, that the, for instance, the temperature checks that we took for this patient, that that's done in Celsius, not in Fahrenheit, but it's in Celsius. Um, and, <clears throat> and, and only then, only then, if the machine really can understand all these different elements, then you know an algorithm or the machine is able to to count, to compare, and to process that data. And so, fair me fair metadata, and 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 let's say the whole concept of fair is really essential for machines to to process data, to understand data, and to uh, to be an enormous support for researchers if they want to. Uh, let's say, gather and do something with uh, multiple data streams. And um, 
what we what we see and what we feel is that um, you know when you when you look at fair at this moment, this term is used all over the world. Uh, when you when you Google it, I mean, there's so many articles and so many um, uh, uh, wordings also uh, unfair. But we also see that fair is sometimes misused, that it's not used for the right project or that it is, let's say, used for projects that are not fair at all. <clears throat> and I'll give you one or two examples. Uh, for instance, we in GoFair, we consider a project where the data is simply dumped into a data warehouse uh, that is not necessarily a fair project. Uh, what, what we prefer to see is a project whereby the data stay under the control of the data owners. And so the data stay distributed, federated, <clears throat> and smart queries, smart algorithms, actually will visit these data sources on the basis of the metadata that they can, that they can find. Uh, uh, we, we've recently participated in a number of these projects, which actually follow this decentralized federated architecture. And uh, we feel that, uh, that many experts in the EOSC also want to take that route. Not everybody, but many experts feel also that this is the way to go, a distributed federated structure um, based upon fair principles. And, uh, you know, we feel that that should be the vision. Uh, and uh, I must say, you know, many, many uh, voices in the EOSC share that also. So that, that is really what we want to do with, with fair data. Mm -hmm. Before you said that 80% uh, of, of research data is, is not being reused, um, how much of that is because it's, it's not fair data? Uh, how much of that is because maybe the results aren't relevant? Um, maybe you can't give me a number, but maybe some sort of indication. Yeah, I don't have the real uh, breakdown of, of these numbers. But uh, in itself, in itself, of course, we see that a lot of that uh, data is actually never reused. And you're absolutely right that sometimes it is because the data is not really relevant. Uh, but sometimes the data is very relevant and still it is not reused. And uh, what you see is that um, um, very often, you know, when uh, researchers want to base their research on the basis of, uh, let's say, uh, other works of, of others, uh, then um, they really struggle, they struggle a lot to find the right data, to access the data, to make it interoperable. Uh, so basically to reuse the data. And we've seen studies where uh, also uh, 60 to 80% of the researcher's time was actually, was actually devoted to uh, you know, data wrangling uh, and, and working with the data, struggling with the data to get that right. So my feeling, I don't have an exact figure for you, but my feeling is that still, there's a huge percentage of, um, uh, let's say, uh, uh, working on, on data that, that could be avoided 
if all that data would have been made fair, then it would really have been a lot easier. And even if we can bring it down to maybe 10% or 15%, that would be an enormous improvement. And in terms of money, you would easily talk about, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, public money that you could that you could save all over the world if all that or if a large percentage of the data would be would be fair. Yeah, and I guess as you explained, you wouldn't just be saving money on the the research grants, but also on what the the uh, the researcher that has has been funded what they're spending their time on because if they have they can access the data and reuse it then obviously they're going to spend more time on getting results and um, and progressing in the research rather than uh, spending that time and that money on uh, understanding the data that they have so Yes. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's the task of the researcher, of course, to analyze things and not to and not to struggle and to fight with data. You know, most most of the time. So uh, uh, he wants to concentrate on on the specifics of his domain, on the outcomes of the results of the study, and you know, he doesn't want to get involved in in. Working, working with his data sets uh, for, uh, for 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 such a long time, and and also it can get very complex if he if he wants to do that. So uh, we see also on the on the research side that uh, you know there's a, there's a strong drive uh, to actually improve that situation for the for the average researcher. Because researchers are sick of it, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, sick of this. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, I know that you work also. Um, I think you mentioned a little bit on a, on an international level as well, and um, and you talked about fair data being all around the world and not just in Europe. So, what is the state of fair data globally? <clears throat> well, what we what we see is uh, we see in let's say most of the countries, particularly the developed countries from a scientific point of view, we see almost everywhere, we see the same trends, which is, which is, which is very good. And um, uh, what we do as GoFair every now and then we take the pulse and we try to see what is, what is happening. Uh, and we, we we're trying to see also, you know, if uh, let's say um, open science and, and, and these open science clouds, how they develop in other parts of this of this world. And if you if you kind of zoom out, I would say, and you look at okay, what are the major trends, then we basically see at this moment four relatively strong trends. Uh, and maybe maybe the first one is is where we see that uh, these worldwide research uh, standard organizations and like like RDA and CoData and WDS and GoFair are all you know international uh, standardization organizations that they all uh, let's say team up with each other that there is a convergence going on and that they all work with each other and actually start pointing in the same direction which I think is a fantastic trend. And you, so, so what you see is that these standard organizations who used to be separate several years ago are now actually 
converging. Um, that, that's a very positive and good trend. The, the, the second trend which we see is that all these regional cloud initiatives like the African Open Science Platform and the, and the, and the, and the Asian clouds and uh, what is happening in states at this moment with these commons, uh, they all talk to each other. They, there are more and more organizations at this moment who are really talking to each other. They are exchanging ideas uh, and they are, they're watching each other also in terms of trends. So that is a very positive uh, thing also that they don't want to end up as regional silos, but they really want to be sure that, uh, let's say, what's happening in, in one area, in Europe, for instance, is, is, is well understood by, let's say, uh, by the Chinese cloud. And they want to benefit from it and the other way around. So there's more and better cooperation between all these cloud initiatives. That is an excellent uh, trend, I would say. Um, when you look at the third trend, that's a very strong trend. Uh, that is about the research funders. Um, that's a very important aspect, of course, because the funders, the research funders, they actually pay the bill for all, all these research that is taking place. And what we see is that more and more funders today are stepping up and saying, listen, you know, we want to provide a grant to this particular research uh, project, but only if there is a fair uh, data management plan, only if the researcher starts to understand, you know, what he's going to do exactly with that uh, data and that it's based upon a proper fair data management plan. So uh, what you see is that the the, the, the funders are driving at this moment the behavior also of these of these researchers. That is an that is an excellent trend. Um, and maybe the last trend I would like to say something about is that we see that more and more institutions, we see it particularly in the large university at this moment, are hiring uh, so-called data stewards. And what you see is that. In many instances, uh, a researcher, uh, I mean, he is a fantastic researcher, for instance, in a medical uh, area or in, I don't know, you know, some other, some other domain, he is, he is an expert. But he's not an expert on, on data. And what we see is that we see now more and more that universities are trying to hire these data stewards to help the researchers to do all this work with data and to, to help them really to preserve the data for a longer time, make data fair, uh, help them to structure the data in a much better way. Uh, and what we see sometimes in university also is that they, these data stewards actually are then grouped in so-called uh, data stewards competence centers so that the knowledge between all these um, uh, data stewards is improving and is increasing. So all these trends, uh, these four that I just mentioned, is, is something uh, that, that we see and that will 
um, lead to a higher degree of, of fairness. Um, yeah, to be honest, what frustrates me uh, a little bit is that everything is taking so long. And when you when you when you see that uh, you know there's always a lot of discussion which needs to take place within the committees, uh, the work packages, the e evaluation reports, uh, guidance papers, and and all these things take time. And in the meantime, of course, we continue to spend billions of public money on on research without ever interoperating or reusing this research data. So I think, you know, time is of the essence and we need to speed up in, in, in some areas. That is, uh, that is my feeling. Um, well, maybe I'll ask you the follow-up question there. How could you see us speeding up? How would, how would that be done? Um, obviously we're talking about lots of different countries, lots of different governments, lots of different uh, institutions. Um, are there ways, in your opinion, in which the process can, can become quicker? Well, yes, I think we can definitely speed up a couple of things, uh, sometimes also by, by simply doing it, by starting pilot projects, by demonstrating what we actually mean, by uh, making things concrete. Uh, as the GoFair Foundation, we've also been very involved, sometimes ourselves, sometimes just helping and giving some guidance here and there. But it is important that you really start to, um, uh, let's say, concentrate now on concrete projects, on concrete examples, on, uh, on, 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 on areas where you... you you can really demonstrate what what you mean with with fair data, with uh, distributed architecture, or with all kind of other, you know, uh, technical structures that you want to set up. So very important that we that we do that, and very important that we keep all these different uh, um, project and initiatives all over the world that we keep those in sync, and so that we first of all start to understand what happens everywhere and you know there's a lot of work being done uh, by codata by wds by rda by gofair also in terms of bringing this together um, building bridges um, uh, between all these all these different uh, uh, let's say cloud initiatives um, and, uh, and very important then that we here and there uh, strengthen those initiatives with concrete projects. Um, talking about the uh, European Open Science Cloud, the EOSC, how is the EOSC currently interacting with other similar projects internationally? Well, what you see is that uh, there is a lot of interaction. Uh, what we what what we also see is that uh, that if you look at the other uh, cloud structures, uh, whether it's in in, in uh, East Asia, in China, or in or in Australia, uh, or in or in you know other parts, uh, South America, for instance, African countries also. Uh, uh, what we see is that they very often participate in, in meetings, in work groups, and by sharing documents and 
different conclusions, papers uh, of these of these different work packages and, and work groups. And so what you saw on the last EOSC symposium, for instance, there were a lot of people also from, from outside of Europe. And, um, uh, you know, while on, on the one hand, we understand, of course, that EOSC is a European project and probably about 90% of the time spent on the EOSC should also be concentrated on Europe. Uh, we also think it's important that you take into account the interaction with all these projects outside of Europe. And uh, as I already indicated, you know, many of these worldwide standard organizations, they do a lot of good work to also assure that the intake uh, is also from, from other, other areas. Um, so I would say, you know, uh, let's, uh, let's keep that focus. Let's, uh, let's understand very well what is happening in, in other areas. And uh, let's make sure that we do not end up with these regional silos, but that we really, as EOSC also, feel the responsibility that the standards that we are, um, let's say, trying to implement, that they can really be used on a worldwide basis at a later stage, and not only on a European basis. So what lessons can uh, EOSC learn from what other similar initiatives are doing in other parts of the world? Are there any um, things that maybe they are doing better or there are a few steps ahead uh, where we can maybe reuse and uh, implement uh, what we can learn from them? Yes, I think that's a good question also. And um, first of all, I think we can learn from many other initiatives all over the world. And there's some, you know, very interesting things going on in China or in, in China at this moment, but also from the Africans, who are uh, very enthusiastically picking up, you know, fair, particularly in medical research at this moment. Uh, and there are a lot of projects where uh, these things are driven by, uh, let's say, a number of African countries. Um, if you, if you look at what is happening worldwide, I also think that the developments in the, in the States are relevant and, and very important. I think we can learn a lot from them. Um, particularly, for instance, if you look at this moment uh, to the views of the NIH, the uh, National Institute of Health in, in, the, in the States. Um, when you, when you look at them and also when you, when you read their websites, you will see that, first of all, they're very fair-minded, which is, which is good. They promote, they understand uh, metadata as a key to the success of interoperability. They understand that. They, they also talk about data visiting, uh, uh, data visiting by smart algorithms, uh, rather than trying to send each other large volumes of, of of data over the internet and sometimes petabytes. You don't want to send petabytes of data uh, over the internet, you know. You want the algorithm then to be sent over the internet and visit these large data sets. Um, so that is interesting. You see that the NIH is quite advanced there. And, uh, and also what I found very interesting is that 
uh, you know, I just explained to you what, what fair means. And uh, they also use the word fair in a different meeting, different meaning. They actually used fair as fully AI ready. And that is a, that is a, uh, that is a great find, I think, uh, because that is exactly what it should be, fully AI ready. And I, I think that's a great extension of the word fair also. It's, it's, it's so true uh, because with, with, without fair, uh, there is no, uh, let's say, real basis for artificial intelligence. You need fair data at the source if you really want to run artificial intelligence program on top of that. Um, so that, that I think is a very smart thing. Um, then if you look at the NIH, they're also very heavily involved in something which they call their LC program, E-L-S-I. And uh, that is a program that not only looks at, you know, all these technical and these organizational structures, but also look at the ethical and the social implications of fair data. And I think that is, that's very important. And as, as EOSC, I think we can learn from them, we can look at them. There's a study going on at this moment and I'm, I'm really looking forward to those results because this is really an area where we can pick up something that we, let's say, haven't, haven't uh, studied so strongly yet here in Europe. What are the main uh, barriers and challenges to global fair data? What, what is holding it back and, and what may hold it back in the future? <clears throat> okay. Um, I don't want to be too negative, but, but I'm afraid that the scientific world is a bit of a very conservative world, you know, where, where status quo sometimes is considered the norm, not, not everywhere, because we see some great, uh, let's say, uh, fresh thinking, of course, in this world. But, you know, when you, when you, when you look at the world, at the scientific world from, from a distance, this is, this is something that you, that, that you see. And I think FAIR and also the EOSC uh, that can bring a lot of good to this world. Uh, but uh, let's, let's, let's be honest also, this is not always for the, for the faint-hearted. Um, uh, fair, you know, making data fair and, and especially on a large scale can be, can be difficult, can be complex and can be a lot of work and, and take into account that uh, it is not only a technical trick. It's not only about a couple of smart IT guys doing it. Um, yeah, it is much more than just, you know, linking data uh, it, it actually requires the interoperability uh, also on the data content side. Uh, so it, it's, it's important that you look at all these different aspects. And, um, you know, when you, when you think about the interoperability, uh, take into account that uh, then things like uh, uh, different semantic models, you know, have to be defined and have to be agreed. Uh, you have to agree upon certain ontologies, on vocabularies. So all these aspects in terms of how do we call something, 
how do we link it? Uh, how do we make sure that in that data and that data set and that data set, you know, we can we can use the same elements and actually uh, be able to process them in 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 a structured way. Uh, that is a lot of work. It requires also a lot of thinking, and it it requires also some courage for organization to actually start to invest there. Uh, so um, it 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 also requires the cooperation of different organizations. You know, maybe maybe pharmaceutical companies who sometimes are a competitor, but for certain reasons, they may team up actually and say, okay, you know, let's compete here, but let's agree upon certain standards, for instance, in terms of the terms that we use for certain elements in in the different data sets. Uh, so it actually requires investment. Uh, I see more and more organizations making these investments. That's good news. But I'm also a little bit worried because I think it is not fast enough. Uh, my feeling is that it doesn't go fast enough. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example. We as the foundation, as the GoFair Foundation, uh, we are heavily involved in a project called VODAN. VODAN stands for Virus Outbreak Data Network. Now, it is about the current virus that is keeping everybody uh, uh, busy at this, at this moment. And uh, we were asked to drive a project about COVID patient data for research access, of course. And we're asked to implement this in the Netherlands, in the US and in six African countries. And it was absolutely fantastic to see the cooperation on three continents and how well and quickly this was implemented. Uh, and, and that is because we have with, with COVID, we suddenly had a very strong and urgent use case. That drove it, the fact that you know, the whole world was, was worried about this and that the use case was probably one of the strongest that I had ever seen. Everybody wanted to have this in place as quickly as possible. Yeah. So what it does to me also, it shows that when you have a strong urgent use case, that can drive the change. If the data is about a serious medical issue uh, or about climate change or something else that the world is concerned about, you know, hot topics, uh, then interoperability will take place. If, however, the data is less important, less critical, could easily take a few more years, you know, before FAIR is implemented in those domains. So look out for the urgent strong use case and drive those because that is, I think, where we have the best uh, uh, chance. And then the other ones will follow. But we still have a few barriers to, to break down if I, if I see it at this moment. What future impacts could come from EOS collaborating more internationally? Well, as I said, you know, for, for, for me, the most important uh, part is that we do not end up with these continental silos, eh? but that, that research in a certain domain can really benefit from data on, on a global scale. Eh? So 
I feel that all these developments in uh, Southeast Asia, China, US, and, and other continents, uh, that they will need to stay in sync. And that cross-fertilization is essential for all these open science cloud initiatives uh, at this moment. And um, I am convinced, I'm convinced that, that one day researchers around the globe will be able to reuse data in their specific domain. And, and use the data to faster and better analyze the data because that's ultimately what they want. Uh, and that may lead to, you know, sometimes better or faster medicines, uh, health improvements, uh, better energy consumptions, better climate control, all these aspects will then, you know, actually benefit from, from this. Uh, and that is just to mention a few of those critical uh, cases. So yes, EOSC, EOSC will have a role actually here to drive this development. Uh, and I'm 100% convinced that you know, over a large number of years, th this will happen. This will be the, this will be the standard over, over many years. The, the big question I think at this moment is, is uh, will it be there in five years, 10 years, 15 years? That is the big question, you know, how long will it take? We are, and with me, many others, we are 100% convinced that it will happen. Question is how fast can we implement it? How fast can we, can we drive it? So Bert, a reflection that comes to mind and maybe a question as well, is that maybe there's a conflict between uh, research funding which is given at a national level or a regional level and this idea of uh, open science and trying to and trying to spread things out um, across countries and globally is is that right yeah yeah that is that is very true although we also see now that uh, let's say uh, funding funding is is actually um, uh, crossing borders also in 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 many more cases. And so we see, for instance, that especially the, the large uh, funders, that they fund uh, sometimes research projects, you know, outside of their own countries. And sometimes these are worldwide uh, uh, research projects. And sometimes it, it, it's, in a, it, it's in a completely different continent. So also there we see that these funders are opening up they see that they have also that they have a task, first of all, to, uh, to make sure that um, data is used in a proper way in all these uh, research projects. And secondly, they also see that it's important that, uh, that, that the research is really a, a worldwide task. Yeah, whereby cooperation is extremely important and that uh, the data should support that and that also the investigation of the researchers should support it so that the researchers should also first look very well at what is already out there you know what can i use which studies actually could could help me to uh, to raise the quality of my research to a higher level. And we see that more and more. We see that more and more that, you know, these funders are actually stepping up 
they are um, they're also um, uh, talking to each other. And there are groups of funders who actually you know um, uh, try to increase the quality that they provide in their in their uh, in their funding. So in our conversation today, Bert, we've talked a lot about fair data. And we've also talked about, uh, in the case of COVID, that things can happen quickly when people want them to, uh, when people care uh, about those things. So my final question to you, because you've been saying that fear is not going fast enough. Uh, we need to be going quicker. So why should people care about fear data? Why should they want it to happen? Why should researchers spend their time making their data fair? Yeah, well, you know, I think there there are there are probably a few uh, elements why why this is important. First of all, uh, I think on a worldwide basis, we can we can save ourselves a lot of money. Uh, you know, when you look at the at the total spending of research on a worldwide basis, we are talking huge figures. We're talking hundreds of billions. So we're talking about large numbers. If uh, if you could uh, let's say reduce that bill, and you know take into account that very often this is this is public money. Yeah? This is this is our money, and so if you can reduce that bill, then I think that will be an enormous advantage. And it is absolutely clear that with uh, better structured data, with fair data, you can reduce that bill. So that is an enormous advantage, I would say. Number one. The second one is that you can you can gain time. You know, if you now want to work on medicines or vaccines or whatever in the medical area, or you want to work on new, uh, let's say, energy allies, uh, if you are then in a position to combine data from all over the world in a structured, very fast way, and uh, you know, fire off the algorithms so that your analysis can, can take place much faster and much better, then you, know, you can bring out medicines faster. You can create a, a, certain, a certain solution faster. You can come with a new product faster. So uh, you know, next to saving money, you can also save time. You can, you can bring certain things to the market in, in a much faster way and so that is that is you know number number two i would say thirdly i think that for research itself uh, it can be so much more uh, rewarding you know if you build your your work your your programs your results and your analysis also on data that is gathered from different sources from all over the world, that I think enhances the quality also of the research that that you're doing, and so it's it's saving money, it's saving time, it's improving the quality. I would say that that would be my my final message for this. Thank you so much, Bert, for taking the time to speak with us today. It's been a great conversation and I've learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot as well. Hey, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Thanks very much. So you can follow Bert's work at gofairfoundation.org 
And um, in terms of Bert's work with EOSC, if you go to our website, eosksecretariat.eu, under the community section, uh, there is a section called International Initiatives, where um, Bert has provided information about uh, other open science uh, initiatives in other countries around the world. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, uh, EOSC Secretariat, and on LinkedIn. And thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of the EOS Secretariat podcast.